everyone. I hope you're well. I'm super excited today because I'm going to meet somebody that I don't know, but I'm a huge fan. He's ama- He's got the most beautiful singing voice. Amazing. And he's a fabulous actor and he's been on stage and on screen and you'll all know him because he's absolutely gorgeous and very talented. It is the amazing Luke Evans. Hello, Luke. It's so lovely to meet you. I can't believe this. Good old it's Amy. It's lovely to meet you too. <laughs> How are you doing, Twiggy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, when I said good old Amy, I'm just explaining to the listeners that the reason you're very sweetly coming onto my podcast is that um, we've got a mutual friend, Amy Wodge. We do. Yeah. And uh, and she is a very lovely person. She's um, She's a songwriter for anybody that doesn't know. And um, I've worked with her um, on my second album. I say, um, hasn't she done a couple of songs with you? Yeah, we we wrote during lockdown. Um, I was in Florida, and she was in she was in South Wales, and we um, we connect on Zoom and do like a three hour songwriting session, like once a week, every week during lockdown. And the two songs on the album are the two are two songs which we wrote back in the first lockdown, back in twenty twenty. But can you write a song kind of on Zoom? What yeah, she was in yeah. her because I've been to, I've been to her lovely house in Wales. She very sweetly. Mm. I went down for the weekend and because we're working on something together, and um, and she's got a studio there. So she was in her studio and and yeah. Uh, so they you, have it all set up. Basically, there was so <coughs> it was a learning curve for me. So basically, to do what we what, what we did, yeah, I had to have my laptop, which obviously I had. And then I had to order a microphone and a little mixing system. And then we had to download some technology, which helped her and her colleague to take over my computer and my mixing desk. Oh, my God. And then they could record <laughs> while I recorded on a microphone. I mean, I couldn't have done it on my own. But they managed to do the whole thing. And that, they, we recorded demos from, you know, two different sides of the Atlantic. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did an album all oh, about 10 years ago of kind of, mainly period songs because I love the 30s Lovely. and 40s mm. and then and then I I put in a couple because it was meant to be romantic songs and there's a wonderful singer songwriter called Richard Marks do you know Richard mm. Mm. and I'd met him through another mutual friend of yours and mine because I've I've seen you sing with him is Hugh Jackman Oh, and wow. he's a great great friend of Richard's and we met through him anyway I wanted to do um one of Richard's songs mm. and sing it with him. And we did like that. We did it. I did my bit here. He lived at that point in Chicago and through techno. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? It is incredible. <laughs> you know, and of course, you know, everybody has these big uh, recording studios and everything, but actually, you know, we, you can do it with a very minimal amount of technology. You just need to know what you're doing. And I learned an awful lot by working with Amy on, on, on that process and of course we were all trying to find things to do weren't we during lockdown i say how did you cope during lockdown well i actually was very lucky i escaped the uk uh to florida um where i spent i think it was like two two and a half months and i just made i just made the most of it we were near the ocean which was nice and we had a, a beach which was empty 
And so my days were just walking the beach, finding shells, singing, writing music. Uh, so actually quite nice. <laughs> it was actually lovely. I mean, I was away from my family and I, yeah. I was always worried about them because obviously it was much more strict. Where, do you, do, where you live in, do you live in Florida? Or were no, you no, just I, there? I, live in, I live in London. Oh, you I, live, I in, live London? in London? Okay. Yeah, between London and uh, Spain and Portugal. Oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. When I'm not nice. working, which when you, is a, I say, a lot do you, of the time. Do you ever stop working? <laughs> when I check, I mean, well, I, I knew lots of things you'd done because I love your work, but I, I you know, I'm, I do my research and I, I was absolutely gob. You've never stopped working really since like 2010. Not since it started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and before that, I was in theatre, you know, so I was working then as well. But, you know, when, when you get success a little later in life, Every opportunity that comes and is right for you, you grasp it with both hands and try and appreciate every 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 beat of, of the journey, you know. And so for me, that's that's how it's been for the last fifteen years. I think now I can't believe it's been fifteen years. It's, but it's you crazy. say later in life, you 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 were still quite. You were in your twenties, well, yeah, weren't you? I was in my late twenties. Yeah, yeah. I did my first movie when I was twenty nine. It came out when I was thirty years old. I'm forty three oh. now. I'm forty four next month. So. Oh, you poor old thing. <laughs> oh yeah. You're the um, same age as my daughter, actually. Oh my. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, she's cool. a, she's a year older than you, but um, it. it you know, you, you haven't stopped working. I mean, it's amazing. So you started in, am I right? You started in theatre. I started in musical theatre, yeah, in 2000. I left college at, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was 20 years old. And I did uh, my first musical in, in the West End called La Cava and then did a few other big musicals. I did a tour of Miss Saigon, Avenue Q, Rent Remixed, which is the Rent musical, um... Piaf, I did Pam Gems Piaf, and um, yeah, I did some. I was loved. I loved it. It was wonderful. It was really exciting. And then I did a play at the Donmar Warehouse, which sort of changed everything for me. And that's when you know I was sort of noticed by agents from America and managers. And within a year, I was in my first movie, and amazing. It hasn't really stopped since. What was the first one you did? Because you've done so well, many. It, it, I, I like to say that it's Clash of the Titans, which it sort of was. Mm -hmm. But at the same time as I was shooting Clash of the Titans, I was doing um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll with Andy Serkis, uh, at, all at the same time. Um, they were. I was just jumping between them. I only oh had small God. roles, so I was wow. able to do that. Really. Oh, okay. And then um, that was all in the first half of the first year. And then the last half of the year, I did... Um, some, um, I did Tamara Drew mm -hmm. and Blitz, which was a, a, a film with Paddy Considine and Jason Statham. And then Tamara Drew was the finish of the year in Dorset, um, working with the lovely Gemma Arterton and oh. Dominic Cooper with Stephen Frears directing, which was wow, just Wow, how fat. I, I mean, did you have to kind of pinch yourself? Because it must have been such a change from... I mean, obviously you were working on stage and doing that, but suddenly to get thrown into that... Yeah, and... But I think, you know, because because I wasn't, you know, a, a, like a 20-year-old, I sort of had lived, I sort of had spent decades, you know, working hard and it wasn't always brilliant in musical theatre. I was often not working and I did lots of other jobs and struggled to pay my rent and did any job really I could find in, in between working on the stage. And it was, 
it was just, I was ready. I was ready for it. And I'm also, I'm very adaptable. I can adapt to a lot of things. And if you look at the work I've done, you know, I don't stick to one genre or one kind of character. I'm like all over the place. And I love the challenge of that. I also love the challenge of, of, of making an audience accept you as different people, you know, because that's a real challenge. You can't just, you know, put on a mask. You've got to really disappear, you know, in the character. And I love Absolutely. that part of what I do for a living. It's, it's very, very special. But also, don't you, I mean, I haven't, I haven't done half as much as you've done in the theatre or on, on film, but there's something about theatre, that live audience thing, that you don't actually get on film or on TV. Not at all. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really scary. I mean, when I did my first, I didn't plan to go on stage. I, well, I didn't plan to do any of the things that happened to me, but and suddenly I was offered this, you know, leading role on Broadway, and um, with a friend of mine, Tommy Tune, who's one of the big musical stars of that era, best tap dance, dancer around, and I remember oh, I him. I, I said to him, "I don't think I can. I can't do that, Tommy." And he said, "There's no such word as can't. <laughs> get pack your bags and get on a plane." And wow. and it was the scariest experience of my life and the best experience of my life because luckily they liked the show and we ran for 18 months. And once I got over the fear... <laughs> and, and then, you know, once the fear is gone, it's, the, it's the doing the same thing every night for 18 months. That's also something people don't... Uh, don't think about is that you know you've got to make it look like it's the first time yeah, every absolutely. night and the, di the, the discipline is huge isn't it huge it's huge and that is the big challenge and the longer you're in a show I mean 18 months I don't think I've ever done a show for 18 months actually it's a long time but on know. the other hand I had a, a I had a child um yeah. and I wasn't with the partner that I had her with so you know, in a way it was quite nice because I was in one place in New York. Lovely. I could be with her on most days except matinee days. Mm. She was like four or five, something like that. So in a way, if you, you know, that was nice for me because I wasn't flying all over the world and, you know, I was with her and doing my Lovely. show at night. And well, you, you've done something I haven't done. You, you've done Broadway. And I've never done that. <laughs> you will, you will. I you hope wait. so. One day, one you day. Will, oh, yeah, you will. I have no, absolutely no doubt at all. <laughs> if I was a producer, I'd find something. No, <laughs> find, find something you want to do on Broadway. You'd get yeah. somebody to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. Well, I'm always looking. I think it is about time I went back to the stage, to the theatre. Um, it's been almost 16 years now since I was on Has stage. Has it? Well, because yeah, of the film. Yeah, a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've got to. It's, but also you must do something, you know, musical because your voice is unbelievable. Now, well, you you were obviously born with that voice. Did you did well, you train? I, I was I was born with some some kind of voice that people well, wanted Welsh. to listen to. But well, well, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I had that on my side. But I didn't have my first singing lesson until I was 16. So up until that point, I just used to sing and, you know, that was it. That was it. It was never looked at as something I would do seriously or, or, or as a profession. And then when I was 16, I left school and got a job and started paying for my own singing lessons. And Aww. that was the first time, you know, somebody who did it for a living told me, you've got a voice, you, you've got, you can sing. And um, 
we're gonna you know i'm gonna put you up for competitions and and uh, and 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 uh, i steadfords which is these welsh talent competitions uh-huh. they're very big and Brilliant. i did lots of them and, and won them all it was crazy i mean won the most promising voice in wales and all these oh, no, wonderful things i'd never been good at anything really before that oh. and all of a sudden i was winning trophies and yeah and, so when you and, said you could you always sang and you knew you could sing but did you know that you had this amazing voice. You obviously probably didn't as a teenager, right? No, 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 I don't think I did. I mean, I used, I probably had more of a developed voice than most kids around me because my taste in music would span my dad. So my dad and my mum, we were quite young when they had me, but obviously they were still in their record buying phases. And so my dad had all the little 45s. And so as I was growing up, I'd be listening to everything, like from the Drifters to, to Petula Clark, to Cliff Richard, to Elton John, George Michael, the Beatles, David Bowie, Bay City Rollers, Mark Boland. I mean, it was like, so I was listening to all this kind of music. And then I found my own taste in music um, when I got my first CD player when I was like 12 years old, I think. And uh, one of the CDs I got was by Roberta Flack. And listening to Roberta's voice and the way she sings and her, her, her technique, her, her vibrato and all the things that I, I could listen to, and I listened to it over and over and over again, I learned how to sing with emotion. And, and I think I probably developed through just listening to, you know, brilliant singers. Well, I have to say your version of, I'll, I'll tell you a story, your version of the first time ever I saw your face is, it's unbelievable. If anyone oh. out there hasn't heard it, go online now. It's bloody brilliant. It's bri- oh, it, so it actually, it, I tell you, I was, we've got, a, uh, we've got, I, we live mainly in London. My husband Lee's a, an actor, producer, mainly retired in that area now and he's writing, but, um, I was in London, I think, and he was in Sussex. We got a little place down there, and he rang me, and he said, "Get where's your, get your computer." He said, "I've just found I found this man with the most beautiful voice, I, and he's singing the first time ever I saw your face, and you've got to listen." And he made wow. me go and get my my iPad, and he. <laughs> I mean, it makes me laugh now, oh, and that, because I hadn't seen that. I mean, I knew you from the. Pembrokeshire Murders, Murders. which was oh, right. yeah. brilliant. Wasn't yeah, that good? Very, very well. That was yeah. true, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a true story. Yeah, yeah. And that was, we we literally wrapped that in Cardiff the day before all productions came to Stopped. a standstill. And that, that that night I flew to Florida. Like I left the set. So you set. you just got out, really? Just got. I took the last flight to uh, to Miami. Yeah. Oh it was, my goodness. It was all a very very strange time, but we we finished the project, and so you know during during the, the pandemic it came out, and so it was. Uh, well, that's when we watched it when it came, yeah. when it came out on TV, yeah. and uh, I mean I I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, chilling. It was a, and... It was a gr- very chilling. Um, and to think all of that happened in such a beautiful part of the country, you know, yeah. on the Pembrokeshire coastline. And but yeah, no, I was. It was, and I also got to meet the guy who played me as well, which is Did very you? interesting. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, he was, was that there weird? with us quite often. No, he was such a lovely man, oh, Steve Wilkins, um, and we got on very well. And he guided me through, you know, how you'd inter- interview somebody and all of that you kind were the of policeman, stuff. Because right? So he was yeah, he, I was re- the he was that he discovered it, yeah. retired by then. 
not? Yes, he was he was retired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes, he's retired, yeah. Lovely, lovely man. And uh he would come to set and just hang around and we'd have lunch together and have a coffee and we'd talk about certain things I had questions about and he was very generous, very kind, and we stayed in touch, which is quite sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Have you got your cup of tea, by the way? What are you I drinking? Do. I've got. Um, what well, you got? I drink. Well, I'll drink any tea. I am. Mm. Um, I love tea. I but do. But today I'm, I'm drinking green tea. I like. I like green tea a lot. Oh, I've got lemon and ginger. Don't mind the <laughs> lemon and ginger. Um, but yeah, I like green tea because it's um, antioxidant. It's got caffeine in it, yeah. and it's it, it's very yeah, good. Yeah, my flush husband drinks body. that. It, it's a bit bitter for me, but he loves it. I, and I like a good old cuppa too. I mean, I do travel with PG Tips wherever yeah. I am. I mean, well, you have we to. had PG Tips in the Colombian jungle. You have to take your tea to America because their you tea do. is horrible. And yeah, they it's can't, not great. They, they can't make a cup of tea in America. It always makes me laugh if you're I don't in... know whether it's the water, the tea or the milk. Well, what the they do, they, they don't boil the water. They get hot, you know, water that's boiled that's hot and then they bring it in a cup with a tea bag on the side and, you know, so... yeah. It's yeah. gone over by. <laughs> but are you are you a are you a milk after the tea is yes after the are tea you? bag is steeped? Yes. Although sacrilegious my, my, to put the milk in before the well, tea bag is done. Except my mum and dad. You know, I grew up in the like nineteen fifties. Yeah. Into the early sixties, and my mum and dad would never put milk in after. My dad wouldn't drink cold beer. <laughs> he wouldn't drink cold beer. No, oh, isn't that funny? Bloody bloody. Bloody freezer, not drinking. He was from Bolton. I can't, I can't do a Lancashire accent, but um, he thought it was sacrilegious to have cold beer. <laughs> How funny. Well, no, my granddad, you know, he doesn't drink anymore, but when he did, when I was younger, it would be like that bitter, you know, and it would be room, oh, yeah. room well, temperature and, and lethal. Yeah. Well, that... that and absolutely he's probably him. Well, he probably... Be, I, my dad grew up in the, like, 20s and 30s, so, I mean, right. were, that people didn't have refrigerators. I'm, I'm no, sure that's no. why the drinks were always warm. Yeah, So that's sure. what they knew. Yeah. But my dad it. swore that if you made beer cold, it ruins the flavour. Not being a beer <laughs> drinker myself, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I, I couldn't. I, I can't drink water if it's room temperature. I struggle with anything that's not. If it's a... If it's tea, it should be hot, and if it's beer or, or white wine or water, it needs to be cold. Cold, cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you I mean. were born in Pontypool. Pontypool is where I was born, but I was only born in Pontypool because there's that's where the hospital was. Oh, okay. So where but did I you was, grow up? I grew up in. I first grew up in a little village for the first four years of my life in a place called Crumlin, which had a very big viaduct across the valley and um, famously had a movie by Gregory Peck and Sophia Loren and they used the valley and they helicopter went under the viaduct. It was all a big thing. And then we moved to a, t a village called Abavargoid. And that's, is that South Wales? South Wales, in yeah. the valleys, yeah. The Rumney yeah, Valley, yeah. Oh, okay. And I lived opposite my school, which was Perfect. good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> and did, did your mum and, were your mum and dad in the business of any... Any no, nothing. No, my mum was a cleaner and a housewife and yeah. a mother, and my dad is a bricklayer, and that's it. Just the three of us. Have you have you ever done any of those DNA programs or had your DNA done? No, no. Have you... I, I'm a little worried they they wouldn't find anything. 
No, it's quite interesting <laughs> to see if there's somebody family. down the line who sang or performed, or because obviously it's in you. <laughs> it is, um, but none of my family, and also you know, it, you know, different times and different ages. You know, people, you know, singing was just something you may have just thought, well, that's not for us. We we we're working class folk. We'll just get on and do a job or, or get a trade. You know. Yeah, well, my dad, um, my dad was like that. He. He grew up in Lancashire, in Bolton, in the, you know, 20s, whatever it was. And he had to go to work. He, he, he was a really good musician. And he really wanted to have a, he could play saxophone and he couldn't afford to buy his own. He had four sisters. His dad, his mum died. So he was the only boy. He had to go to work. So he trained as a carpenter and that's what he did all his life. He was a master carpenter. But he could always play he was self-taught piano it breaks my heart I mean they're not with us anymore it breaks my heart really because he always wanted to teach me piano and I'd say oh no I want to go and play I don't want to do that and I really I really really regret it actually yeah yeah I do sometimes when um I think my dad would have loved it if I'd have become a bricklayer but I think he's quite happy (laughs) where I am now I'm sure um, he's you know he, he comes down to the house sometimes and I've got something that isn't working and it doesn't matter what it is He's one of these people that can just look at and look at a problem and find a way to solve it, even if he knows nothing about it. it, it he's extraordinary. My mum is very, very similar. The two of them, they're, 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 they're so fascinating to watch. They've managed to, to get through life, not with great academic qualifications, but just a way of looking at something with a lot of common sense and going, how do we fix this? And... There's nothing I I can't throw anything at my father that he can't fix. It's That's extraordinary. brilliant. I want to meet yeah. him. <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. I I was told him like you should charge. You should charge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Leo always says he if he he can't anything he tries to put up it just falls down. <laughs> <laughs> if he puts a shelf up, it falls down. I, you know we've got another mutual friend. I'm going to throw oh. at you, Bobby Cannavale. Oh, oh, how do you know Bobby? Oh, I love Bobby. He's he's a fantastic human being. Isn't he? He makes me laugh more than, I mean, we've had nights with Bobby where I can't, I can't breathe because he's really oh, funny. Yeah, he's he ha- had his first, I think it was his first acting job with my husband Lee in a, wow. in a Noel Coward play that they did in a lovely theatre on um, Long Island called Bay Street in um, Sag Harbour. Wow. Wow. Sweet little fringe theatre. It's gorgeous. Right on the, on the bay. And Bobby, I think it was his first job and I think he had three lines. <laughs> and Lee became his kind of, my husband, became like his surrogate dad because he, mm. he, he'd either fallen out with his dad or whatever. Right, right. And, uh, and so we've always been friends and, and every oh, time lovely. he comes to London, obviously... Oh now, yeah, he's he's lovely. I, we had such a wonderful time on that job in Australia. We all felt very lucky to be working and be in a in in Australia, where obviously the borders were closed, and we were able to be in that country and work and and be so far away from all the drama because it felt like a little haven out there in Australia. And we were in this beautiful part of, um, of Byron Bay, and you know the group of people that we were we were with were just so lovely. And it was we an just... extraordinary. I mean, I watched it. It was brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very fun. I mean, to I, do. Lo- I love the writer Leanne Moriarty. Am I right? Yeah. She wrote yeah. Big Little Lies. She yeah? did. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's she she's wonderful. a brilliant writer. But um, and I, I actually actually I should I haven't read Nine Perfect Strangers, but I did watch it. But I, I yeah, it's I a little different. The book I think the book goes through. Um, 
chapters of people. I think it's very oh, different. Okay. Yeah, it's it's all very. And I think there's a there's a few chapters where there's complete silence, like no one talks to each other. Oh, wow. So there's like this, this, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, they adapted obviously for television. Be a bit dull if nobody speaks for an hour, <laughs> but, uh, <Slightly. laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, uh, the essence of the book definitely came onto the So you and... shot that when COVID was happening in the rest of the yeah, world? Yeah, in 2020, the end of 2020. Because Australia yeah. got out quite lightly and, Till later, right? They Didn't they did, get Melbourne? Melbourne got hit a bit later. Melbourne or had a yeah. very, very long. They were in and out of lockdown. That's they right. kept locking them back up, opening them, and then That's and right. it was, and also there was crossing of borders was not allowed. So there was people that lived just over borders, and they were really, you know, that was a real problem. The the state the state borders and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a little. I don't think they were ready for it. I think they were. It, it came a bit of a shock to them when it finally landed, and you know. But yeah, the poor Melbourne people. They they really. I think they suffered the most out of everybody. I wonder why it hit Melbourne more than anywhere else. There's a couple of stories as to how it got around. Oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should check them out. I'll check them out. Yeah. <laughs> but aren't, don't you do a, one of your songs with Nicole Kidman on on your I album? do, and that's I, why she's on the album is because I, I met her during the show, and she's got a beautiful voice. Beautiful. Well, she sang she sang in Moulin Rouge, didn't she? She did, yeah. And she's also she sang that song with um, Robbie Williams as well. Right. She did. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Something beautiful, or whatever that song is called. But um, um, yeah. I, I mean, I asked her just sort of like. What have I got to lose? And she's so lovely. She is such a nice person, a yeah, kind I've, person. I've met her very, very br briefly with Hugh Jackman, who is a close right. friend. But right. it was literally yeah. a kind of party with lots of people and we just mm. said hello and everything. But I, I don't really know her. I love her. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, and she's just so so kind and she's she's just real and and She's she's a she's a she's a loyal person. She has integrity, you know. And and I but I thought, you know what? She can say no, and I was expecting her to say no, <laughs> and she said yes, and I was like, oh god, wow! <laughs> I've got to do What's, it now. I can't. This is going to happen, and so yeah. But I already I already knew what song I was going to propose, and and uh, yeah, I think she enjoyed the Brilliant. process. You know, it's like, a gorgeous album, by the way. I love it. Thank you. Because it came out just before Christmas, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. did very well. Did really, really well. Well, it will continue to charts, do well, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Couldn't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any um, non-kind of performing hobbies like cooking, reading, I don't know, things? That I love, well, I like, um, I like traveling. I travel a lot. So I've had like... So I finished work just before Christmas on the 22nd of December. Mm -hmm. And I've had a break since then, which has been sort of, I've enforced it because I needed a break. I was, I'd worked so solidly and I just feel a bit tired, you know? So we've done a lot of traveling. We've been to, um, well, we've been, we've been to so many places. We've been in Namibia, went to Rome, St. Bart's, oh, wow. Miami. Um, Spain, Madrid, Lisbon, London, Wales. Wow. We did right Oh my God. We travel around. Because, you know, when it might, and people are like, you're going on holidays again. I'm like, well, actually, you know, when I work, my life stops. I'm, I, I don't get to sleep in my own bed, see my friends and family. I don't, I don't live at home. I live in a rented accommodation or a hotel room and I don't live my life, you know, and that's fine. So, but when I do have my life back, I, I just pack it full of 
everything that I can do. So, you know, people, some people spread their holidays out over the year. I just do them when I get, when I get the time to do them and then um, I'm off. So When you say Namibia, was that like a, is that safari time or yeah, I, safari, I don't where, yeah. where is Nam is that it's, above it's not south it's above Africa. south Africa and it's on the uh west coast west coast yeah because actually yeah. when you fly down to Cape Town I think you fly over it don't you I mean it's very dramatic like you know it's where it's one of the only places in the world there's only a couple of places in the world where, the, where the sand dunes meet the ocean oh wow and it's the most surreal thing to see um with your own eyes it really is a spectacularly beautiful naturally beautiful place so we spent half of the week in the savannah so very green very luscious uh -huh. all the animals um doing safaris and sleeping with the roaring lions in the in the background which oh, wow. is really extraordinary is that scary no nah, no nah. we they were they were in a reserve I mean, you, you're which was a, protected yeah, yeah? We, we were on a mountain in a reserve but it had all sort of like non-dangerous animals like giraffes and elephants and zebras and oryx and ostrich and, and there was baboons but they sort of stick to themselves and then <laughs> then and then about a mile away was the entrance to the, the 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 big reserve which was like 200 square kilometers where there was more elephants two prides of lions um hyenas and all these other animals but at night you know they come alive so they sleep all day and then when the sun goes down, they wake up and then they're roaring. And, and if the wind caught them roaring, you know, at like three in the morning, you're sleeping and the, 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 you'd hear them roar. It was just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It How was bizarre. such an experience. And no, I've never done a safari. We, we flew, I, we went to just outside of Johannesburg working mm -hmm. and then was it the Kruger National Park? I can't remember. They offered it. We went up in a hot air balloon mm. over the... Wow. I was a bit nervous and my daughter was... How old was she? She, she was just coming up to 15 because she came with us. And I didn't... I wasn't sure I wanted to go. And she said, oh, mum, mum, come on, we got to go. So yeah, mum did it. And it was magical. We had... You have to get up at like... Super early, Before right? dawn. Yeah. So that as dawn breaks, you go up. It was unbelievable. And what's lovely is because you're quite high and it's silent, the animals don't know you're there. No, no. But you don't yeah. get ever so close to them because you're above them. But we did yeah. see, we didn't see elephants. We saw, we saw lots of animals, but. Well, we got very, very close to the did animals. You? Oh, like just at one point, too close <laughs> for what, my liking. To, to the lions. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could have. Like with, we were in this within ten feet of a pride of lions sleeping under, a, and and you're in a truck that doesn't have any windows or doors, but the, the they said the lions look at look at the, the the truck as one thing. If you put your arm out or your head out, they'll get you. They'll get you. <laughs> it's the weirdest weirdest thing. Um, or it's like yeah. when you know you say Florida, you know you can go out into the Everglades mm. in those kind of alligators what, everywhere. Oh my oh, god! Oh, the hover things, right? Yeah, the those hover. The they they go, they go they hover. They're like boats that hover over the water, aren't they? And the yeah. water's quite shallow, actually. Very shallow. And yeah. we decided to go out, mainly, <laughs> and and I'm chatting away to the guy, and and he said this, he said, you know, alligators can jump. Oh God! They love to do that. Oh my God! And I, so I was on a lower seat, and I climbed. 
<laughs> I climbed up to the highest seat and I tucked I tuck my legs under my, my you know, and I was, I was scared. They're big. You did it, though. They are I did, big. I did, yeah, yeah. They are yeah. big. Because I thought they moved quite slowly, but apparently no, they can they, move. They can move. Yeah, but, yeah. but then when we did find one, he was an old one, apparently, that the guy knew. And he was feeding him marshmallows, which I'm not sure how <laughs> healthy that was. It was well, a bit, bit weird. Well, yeah, hoping his teeth would fall out from the sugar problem. <laughs> cook yeah i do i'm um i i like cooking very much i yeah, did I um i don't do it all the time but i had some friends over a couple of weeks ago and i did beef wellington and i followed Ooh. literally followed the ingredient the, the recipe step by step and it turned out perfect i that's couldn't believe the beef it. that's rolled in a pastry right yeah it's fillet yep. and then you have to chop up mushrooms and saute them ah. and then put them with mustard over the beef and then roll them in with the with the pastry and then um but the this, the the beef has to be par cooked before you put it into oh, the okay. pastry. Okay, okay, yeah. Um but yeah, it it turned out like it looked like picture perfect. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you took pictures of it oh, just for yourself. <laughs> it's everywhere. Put it on the put it on the Instagram, <laughs> put it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. The books the, the cookery books coming out next year. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I I'd be, before, we'll have to wrap soon because I know you've got to go. But um, I've got to ask you about Gaston because I've got a s nearly eight-year-old granddaughter. Right. And so she knows, you know, about Gaston and Beauty and the Beast. So I have of to course. ask you, was yeah. that, that must have been so much fun. It was. I don't think I really understood when I, when I, when I, when they offered me the job, the joy that I was going to to experience making it and then the joy that I've seen that the film has given oh, to other people, you yeah. know, and it's universal. It doesn't matter where I am in the world. Absolutely. I, you know, if you're lucky enough as an actor to play a role that resonates on such a high platform as, as that, you know, you live with that character for the rest of your life. And of course, you know, some people, I'm sure some people go, Oh God, they still think of me as this character, but you know what? I'm fine with it. I absolutely, I'm so lucky to have been firstly part of that incredible film, but to play that character and people literally, I was skiing the other week and I left, we just had a, 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 a cold glass of beer and we were going <laughs> to ski down the hill. And as I left the ski, put my skis on, five men jumped up and went, ski well, Gaston. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. You're like, and they, they, they were grown men. They were grown men, yeah. you know. So it's it's um it's a lovely thing. Oh, and, it's lovely. And, you know, and I got to sing I've, and do everything. Weren't you? Was it was it on Jonathan Ross that you and Hugh Jackman? With Hugh, yeah. He made you sing it or something. I he remember did. that. Me, me Taron Egerton, and Taron Hugh Jackman. Taron Egerton, yeah. that's right. And you had glasses of beer. Yes, that was we so, did. That yeah. was was that rehearsed or not? No, no, no. Oh, we just we just got up and did judging it. Yeah. by yours and Hugh's face, I didn't think it was rehearsed because you no. looked shocked when Jonathan said. Yeah, well, also so we were still reading funny. from the script. Clearly, both of us had forgotten what the song the lyrics were. Yeah, <laughs> a lovely man though. He's a very lovely man, Hugh. As is Jonathan oh. Ross.
very lovely. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I've done the show. I don't know Jonathan as a friend, but Hugh is. He's he's an extraordinary man. Mm, but he again, really he's is. an he's an Aussie. You see, Aussies are lovely. They are. They they. Uh, I I I really enjoyed my time in Australia. Yeah, I, I like the Aussies. Country. They don't really. They, once they're over the fact that you whatever you are, they don't care. Everybody's the same. It's exactly. sort of, there's no there's no hierarchy. There's no class no. system. You just you are who you are, and you know that's let's right. have a beer. It's like. Bobby Cannavale's wife, Rose, I'm sure you've mm. met. She's Aussie. I love her. She's wonderful. She's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. Very, no, there's, very sweet. There's no kind of, there's no, I don't know, they're just out there and they are what they are. And, yeah, yeah. And they're just very, very nice friendship material as well. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they found each other because they make a great family. They and the, the kids, are so, they're so much fun. The little We used ones. to go hiking with them. Um, with Bobby and Rose, we used to go to waterfalls with the kids on the weekend. They must so be getting big now, actually. They must be, yeah, my God. I bet I wouldn't even recognise them. Because we but haven't, they were on. here just pre-COVID, I think. And we saw them then. So that's, so the kids are three, three four years older now. So, unbelievable. So you said you've been on a quite a long break. Have you got any secret plans that we can know about <laughs> well I, i'm uh, yes i'm i'm my work will begin in probably in may um i have two projects uh ready to go and another project that will possibly take me all the way through to christmas okay. so i'm um, yeah i've just uh, just enjoyed the time off and i'm probably in the next couple of weeks i'll start picking up the scripts and start Doing my work and research and enjoying that. Process. Are they musical projects or, or dramatic? No, they're dramatic. Yes, yeah. Good. I can be very dramatic when I want to. <laughs> very dramatic. <laughs> well, I bet your mum. Do you see your mum very often? She must yeah, be so. Yeah. She must be so proud of you. Oh, we we're solid. We're we're just the three of us. You know, we've always been very very close. And um, I'm seeing them tomorrow. Actually, they're coming up to go to the um, Ideal Home exhibition. Oh, sure. is that is, where is that now? Because is it the used Olympia? to be. I thought because they're they're rebuilding Olympia. Maybe there's some of it that they haven't Maybe. knocked down. I don't know, but yeah, but they're coming up tomorrow, and we're gonna go look around. And my mother went. She she goes every year, and they absolutely love it. So me, my mum and dad, and their two friends, we're gonna wander around. Uh, yeah, she got me a free ticket, and I was like, well, it makes a change, doesn't it? <laughs> Getting me a freebie. <laughs> yeah, because like, they used yeah they used to have it at Earl's Court, and then. Because I, 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 that's where I am in Wheeler in Earl's Court. But and they, then they pulled Earl's Court down. Yeah. And there's a big right. empty space now because the people who were, you know, doing it ran out of money or something. Oh God. Which is really, it's so sad because that was a lovely old exhibition hall. We I was in King's Cross yesterday, last night. I, you wouldn't reckon. I mean, no, I used wouldn't. to go to college there like 25 years ago, whatever. I, I was, I didn't recognize the place. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. But, but uh, they've done all restaurants and restaurants, there's a theater. There used there. to be a there used to be a club that we would go to back in the early two thousands. It was uh -huh. an amazing club. It's now a lighting shop. It's a Tom Dixon lighting store. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow, if these walls could talk. And uh, now it's a very expensive lighting shop. <laughs> I mean, they have to regenerate places. Yes. It's just yeah, and it's done. They've done a good job. The exhibition hall. It was so. It was such an iconic space. Yeah, 
And we all yeah. sign petitions, but quite honestly, when there's that much money involved, I don't think it makes, <laughs> no. makes any difference. Same with Soho and Tottenham Court Road, that area. I mean, yeah. it's, it's I lost know. all of its history. It's, it feels like there's nothing left, absolutely nothing. I know, it's a shame. So you were in one or two of the Fast and Furious? Well, I was the the the, um, the the main bad guy in Fast and the Furious Six. Fast oh, okay. Six, it was called, and I was a British bad guy. It was very oh, very fun. Isn't it very more fun. fun playing a bad guy? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I've played some very very <laughs> iconic ones, and I'm very, I have a lot of fun doing it because I'm you know I'm a nice guy in real life. But yeah, it was a great job. It was really fun to be part of it. Again, when I signed up to it, I I know the franchise. Obviously, it's impossible to avoid it, but. I didn't really understand the, the scope of the audience, you know, how big it was. Is it really, really huge? It's absolutely massive. There's places where I go in the world, like South America and, uh, the, the, and Asia and the Far East, where you, that's all they know me for is Owen Shaw from Fast and the Furious. Wow, that's amazing. It's extraordinary, yeah. It's amazing how they can make films that actually translate all the the way around the world, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's a lot to do with family because they base the whole story. It's all about family. It's all about, you know, the family that you choose and the family, that their friends that become family and protecting them and all of that. So it has a quite of a universal appeal when it comes to that kind of thing. And then obviously you've got these big, fast cars and yeah. as the show <laughs> has got bigger and every every episode of, the, of this franchise has, has, has grown, you know, you've had submarines, spaceships, huge aeroplanes and and really crazy bad guys, you know. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I, I think it's coming to an end, but, you know, and this, this will be the a, There was a terrible, terrible tragedy with, was it Paul, Paul Walker? He died in a car crash. Ironically, he died in a yeah, car crash. Yeah, it was such a sad story. Yeah, really sad. And a really lovely guy. Really, really yeah, lovely. Yeah, everyone said that. Yeah, sweet, yeah. sweet man. Um, but yeah, it was a just an awful, awful, awful tragic thing that happened. And uh, it left a big mark on everybody that was part of the film. And, I bet it did, know, absolutely. Yeah. But I think the way they honoured him in, this, in the episode that came after he died was just beautifully done they they had a there was a beautiful song at the end of the film and the two cars one with with vin and one with paul in and they separated on this long road in the countryside and poof it was there wasn't a dry eye in the house you know so um yeah yeah but yeah it's a it was a very fun thing to be a part of. I mean, I am still alive. You never know. Maybe if they do Fast 11, I'll come back. But, you know, <laughs> I now have a brother. Guy. I have a sister. I have a mother. Helen Mirren plays my mother. Um, so, you know, the family, the Shaw family went from little old me to quite a large, you know, <laughs> substantial threat to this family. <laughs> oh, I'm going to wrap up now because I know you've got to go. But I just want to say... One of my the reason I met Amy Wodge, the songwriter, was because I fell passionately in love with Keeping Faith that mm. she wrote the songs for. And Faith's song is one of my favorite songs ever, and you've recorded it. I have. And it's yeah. gorgeous. So again, everyone out there, please go online and hit hear Luke singing Faith's song. Isn't it a oh, great song? Beautiful. I mean I think, he's I think just such an incredible writer. songwriter, yeah. Incredible. 
incredible. She amazes me. Anyway, it's been an absolute joy. I could have chatted for ages. But yeah, I'm we could have. Yeah. But hopefully, we'll, we'll, when Amy's around, when a because she hurt, she broke her ankle. You know, she did skiing. Oh, I know. Oh, well, no. actually, she wasn't skiing. She she was walking down the road. Yeah, oh. she should have kept that part of the story back. <laughs> yeah, she should have made it up. Oh, I was coming down this really steep slope. Yeah, well, when when we're all in the same town, we should all we're have all, a dinner. Yeah, yeah. I would when love to see that. I think she's in America at the moment, but um, but it'd be lovely to meet you properly. And thank you again. It's been an absolute joy. My absolute pleasure. And I love the album. Everyone go and get it, please. <laughs> thank you, Twiggy. Bye. Bye. Well, that was so lovely to meet up with Luke, even though it was only virtually. And don't forget to get his album. It's called A Song For You, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's um, lots of songs that you'll know and a, a couple of new songs that he wrote with our mutual friend Amy Wodge, the brilliant Amy Wodge. And there's some lovely duets, one with Nicole Kidman that is gorgeous, called Say Something. I think you'll enjoy it. But what a lovely man. I mean, so nice. Speaking of the lovely Amy, you can still find the podcast I did with her about a year ago and um, it was fun. It was our first time of meeting. We've now become really good friends, which is lovely. And also Bobby Kynavartley, who I've just talked to Luke about. Bobby chatted to me again probably about a year ago. So please look them up and enjoy them. We had a fun chat. He's great. Anyway, I'm going to go now and have a cup of tea. See you soon. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production. <laughs>